0: You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat alongside Adam McGinnis. We have a lot to talk about tonight. The first half of the MLB baseball season is over. We just had the All-Star Game, and we are going to be looking ahead to the second half. But first, we'll get to a little bit of first-half analysis. So with that, I would like to welcome in my co-host, Adam. Adam, how are you doing today?
0: Fan-freaking-tastic. Thanks.
1: Good. That's what we like to hear. So... All-Star game is over. The AL won 8-6. to six. It was kind of a weird game because it was really boring, honestly, through most of it. And then all the home runs just started coming. And it was like, wow, I think they broke a record for home runs in an All-Star game. Did you have a chance to watch any of it?
0: Yeah, I watched the whole thing, and I, I completely agree with you. A lot of that game was pretty boring and not so interesting. And then, yeah, it became Home Run Derby Part 2. Uh, I like seeing Contreras get a home run. That was good Absolutely. to see, and and Baez led led off for the NL with a hit against Chris Sale. So the Cubs they uh, they represented well in the game. And, but yeah, I don't know. I I almost wonder if they've got like juiced balls or something for that game. Just to, I mean, because this game doesn't matter now. It doesn't right. determine home field for the World Series. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that just to put on an extra show for the fans there. I don't know if you agree with that or not. I'm not saying they did. I just am speculating.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean part of me uh knows that it was just weather change because they had that front kind of come in with the the rain and kind of the wind change direction and I guess when you have the best hitters they can hit him a long way, you know. But I don't yeah, know. It's it's an interesting thing kind to of bring up.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. It's an all-star even, game. Yeah, even watching the all-star game, you do kind of just forget that every single player in that lineup is is a, like a superstar. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's fair.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you mentioned Wilson Contreras homering, and that was a really cool moment because he joined a list of Cubs that have homered in the all-star game. Uh, I believe the first was Augie Gallon followed by Hank Sawyer, Ernie Banks, George Altman, Billy Williams, Andre Dawson, Alfonso Soriano, Chris Bryant, and Wilson Contreras. So a pretty good list right there.
0: That's a good company to be in, yeah.
1: Yeah, especially when you're in the likes of Chris Bryant and Mr. Cub and Billy Williams. You, you can't complain there.
0: No, no, not at all. And Andre Dawson, too, that's...
1: Yeah. And he homered off Roger Clements. So, you know, that was a big accomplishment for him.
0: Yeah, man, what was Roger Clemens still throwing a hundred miles an hour when he was in his forties or something? That dude. All right, we we don't need to get into that. That's a whole other whole nother yeah. can of worms <laughs> tonight. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, either way, hitting a ball off him was never easy. But yeah, you know, it's it's an elite company he's joined, and it's kind of funny because the inning was just starting and they were doing kind of their inning opening zoom in where it's just like oh here's the field yada yada and the first pitch he just swung on and cranked and it was really interesting because it was his first pitch he saw in an all-star game he did the same thing in his first swing as a major leaguer the first swing he took as a major leaguer was a home run in 2016 I'm sure you remember that
0: I remember that very well that was really exciting
1: Yes, it was. So seeing something kind of similar like that happen, it's kind of cool. And then with Javi Baez getting the leadoff single, like we said, it was off Chris Sale. And that's another Cub to get to Chris Sale in the All Star game because Chris Bryant's home run in the All Star game in 2016 was also off Chris Sale.
0: Yeah, I'm noticing a trend here. I think it's that Chris Sale is no good. He's a bad pitcher.
1: Oh, he's He's over so bad with those. Those amazing numbers. He
0: stinks. It's awful. Yeah. I mean that sub two ERA, sub three ERA that he's always rocking, it's not as good as it looks, okay? The truth is Chris Sale, he's not any good. He's never been any good. He's just a really bad pitcher who gets lucky every single game. Every pitch he gets <laughs> lucky.
1: <laughs> you know, you you made me look up Chris Sale and look up his numbers. Holy cow. <laughs> Have you seen his numbers?
0: Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> his <But laughs> fielding
1: independent pitching is 217. He's got 188 strikeouts already. He's,
0: I mean, who's, who's going to compete for Cy Young in the American League with him right now? He's, I mean, he's kind of got to be in a world of his own at the moment, isn't he?
1: And you could argue that he should have won last year.
0: Yeah, I think you I think you could make the case for sure. Can't. Yeah, I mean, right
1: now he's clear-cut winner. Well, I guess Verlander would give him a run for his money.
0: Kluber's been doing okay, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's quite as good as last year, but I'm sure there's still really good numbers. I mean, Corey Kluber, you could always count on him for being really good. Uh, yeah, 276 ERA, 342 FIPS. So those are good numbers, but not quite as good as what Sale is doing right now.
0: Yeah, no, those are not Chris Sale numbers. Chris Sale's got Corey Kluber by about 50 strikeouts this year.
1: Yeah, so I think right now him and Verlander are going to be your top two guys for AL Cy Young. Man, Verlander,
0: iron horse. What, 35, 36, and the dude is still just doing the thing. And it looked like he was done a few years ago
1: in Detroit, like back in – uh, let's say 20, eh, 2015, 2014. His ERA was starting to rise. He had the 4.54 ERA in 2014, and you're thinking, well, he's in his 30s. He's got a ton of miles on him. He's probably uh, coming back down. And nope, that wasn't the case at all. He got really good again, and now he's got the 2.29 ERA with the sub one WHIP, 2.83 fifth, And keep in mind these great numbers that both Verlander and Chris Sale are putting up are in the American League. And think about the batters that Chris Sale has to face in his
0: division. You know, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Hell, even last year in the first half, Verlander wasn't anything overly special. I think he kind of turned things around just a little bit before the All-Star break. But I remember – because I remember a lot of Cubs fans wanting to trade for Justin Verlander at yep. the All Star break last year, and I was I was pretty uh, heavily against doing that, uh, but for reasons more than just uh, the the performance aspect of it, I wasn't too keen on getting a player that old who was going to be getting paid twenty million plus a year, but I definitely did not anticipate the way he pitched the rest of the way through up until now I did not I did not expect him to be as dominant as he's been
1: oh god no I mean last year with Houston just in his first 34 innings with Houston he had a 106 ERA then he had that postseason with Detroit last year he had a 382 ERA and a fifth just over four and I felt the same way with you I thought he's 34 he's got all those miles we want someone younger and more cost-controlled, and that's why they wanted Jose Quintana, and I completely understood that. And now I'm still fine with getting Jose Quintana, don't get me wrong, but who yeah. could have thought Verlander was going to be this good at this age?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. see, that's the thing. You can't be mad about this because nobody anticipated this. Even the Astros – I don't know if they would admit it, but nobody – I'm sure they thought he would be a good, dependable starter who could eat some innings, you know. They're looking for a better. If you're if – you're, if, if your li- yeah, your lineup is hitting well, that all you really need to do is get into the sixth or seventh inning and you're fine. But nobody saw this coming. If if anybody says that they thought this was going to happen with Verlander, they're lying.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, come on. It, don't, don't kid yourself here. The numbers he's putting up right now – I mean, you could argue at the pace he's going, he's primed for the best year of his career. And we're talking after he's had years of 240 ERA in 251 innings with 250 strikeouts, he could have his best career year after already winning a Cy Young at age 35.
0: Yeah. Now that you mention that, I had not thought of that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, he, he very easily could. The way he's going right now at this pace, I mean, he could blow his best season out of the water doing this. I'm not sure he'll beat 24 wins that he had in 2011, but just as far as uh, ERA goes and efficiency, this could end up being the best year of his career.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, let's see, his lowest fit currently is this year, but if you're looking at full seasons, his lowest FIP was 280 in 2009. So if he's, if he's around where he is now, then, yeah, you're definitely looking at one of the best years of his career. I mean, yeah, he's had
0: – no, I'm sorry, go ahead. 20, 2011 was his best whip. Uh, to date 0.9 but he he is beating that right now you know we don't know what he'll finish yeah. with obviously but he is at 0.835 right now which for a starting pitcher is it, it, that's insane that is ridiculously good
1: yeah exactly I mean if you go with where he is right now that kind of whip a 283 fifth and then last year I mean you saw the 269 I meant to say 269 was 2017 my bad Um, That was in a smaller sample size, obviously, but that's still pretty impressive Um, because if you look at the top FIP seasons, you have 2009, 2012, 2010, 2011, and then right here is 2018 among all that. A lot of his higher FIP seasons or mass FIPS were in the middle, and that was recent years, like 14, 15, 16. So there you go.
0: Let me ask you this. Is he a Hall of Famer when
1: he's done? I think he's on the pace to be yes.
0: I mean it's in this thing I, I think he's a close call. I think he's like in the same boat as John Lester where he's gonna be mm-hmm. kind of scraping the fringe and I'm not I'm not sure if because there obviously a three four ERA is good but in an I know we, we care less about ERA than people used to, but I still think that 3-4 could end up being a little high for some of the writers to vote him in. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but... Uh,
1: well, I know what you're saying. I also think that writers are going to have to make adjustments, because the eras we're playing in, you know, A, you're not really looking at pitcher wins anymore. The 300-win pitchers, I mean, that era's pretty much past, so that's pretty much irrelevant. Um, Regardless, he's on his way to over 200 wins, but that's not really what you look at. Now, 3-4 ERA, I think just with the hitters we've had in recent years, with the era we've played in, you know, I feel like that is pretty worthy. Now, I know what you mean by borderline because I kind of do agree with you, but if you can get several more years of this type of Verlander, with the strikeouts he's racking up, then I really think you could probably make a case here and especially you look at the resume of awards. I don't know how much that sways writers, but m v p Cy Young an all star for many years. let's see this year was his seventh all
0: star game.
1: I don't know how much that sways you right there, but you know there there are some pretty worthy numbers in here
0: I think for some of those uh, for some of those writers, it does make a difference. And because we, sure. we kind of touched on that when we talked about Blake Snell getting snubbed, even though he did end up getting into the All-Star game. Right. But, uh, that, you know, that kind of accolade, it doesn't change the fact that he's had a terrific season. But with something like this for Verlander, it could make a difference to a writer who says, well, this guy was a seven-time All-Star. So, And I mean, I'm with you. If it was up to me, I think I probably would put him in. I don't think it's... An obvious choice to put him in, but if i if I could choose, I think I would put him in,
1: yeah, I mean, think about how low his e r a would be if you took away two seasons from him, if you took away two thousand eight right. and two thousand fourteen, imagine
0: how good his numbers would look oh yeah yeah you're you're absolutely right, and I think that some of the writers would take that into account. Sure. You've got you've got just a couple of seasons kind of uh, inflating the overall numbers there, but uh, I mean there is something to be said for ha- just having a long career too. I mean, besides oh yeah. having besides having great numbers for most of your career, pitching for a starting pitcher to go 15 years or more is rare, and that's that in itself is impressive and worth recognizing. Especially how many innings he's thrown, look at the seasons he's had where he's
1: thrown two hundred like twenty plus innings that that's that's a lot
0: yeah i mean nowadays that's not that common if you can get that no. that's that's worth that's worth money it, uh regardless of uh e r a obviously you can't suck, but if you're pitching that many innings that that's valuable. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Right
1: now, kind of a golden standard for a, a durable starter would be 33 starts and around 200 innings, where Verlander in some of these years is going 35 starts, 240 innings. So, you know, that says a lot right there.
0: It does, yeah. Man, we've been really fawning over Justin Verlander.
1: Yes, we have, and we do want to remind everyone that this is a Cubs show, So, but we do love our baseball. Mm. This this was a fun conversation, though, i, I got to say. Was.
0: Yeah, that was good. That was good. Good stuff.
1: So uh, my last uh, question for you uh, about the All-Star oh. week, and then we'll just get right into everything else. Uh, did you watch the Home Run Derby?
0: I did, and I thought it was more entertaining than the All-Star game.
1: I agree. That was one of the best derbies I've watched. And, yeah, there's a little bias in there because we got to see one of our guys in Kyle Schwarber. It's, it's kind of too bad because he won the popular vote, but he didn't win the Electoral College, so to speak. <laughs> just, just an analogy. You know, he, he hit more home runs mm. in, in the whole derby, but you know, Bryce Harper won that final round. And regardless of what happened, it was fun.
0: You know what, and I hate to be that guy, but he kind of cheated, kind of cheated just a little bit, Bryce Harper, with uh, his dad pitching to him before uh, the ball's landed, which is, for those of you who don't know, the ball has to land before the pitcher can throw the next pitch. That's a rule in the home run derby, and I think they broke that, like, a lot. With, but I don't care, though. I mean, I, I recognized it. I think it happened, but... I really don't care because it's the home run derby and it doesn't matter. But because it was yeah, fun, yeah, I mean, it was, just,
1: it it was, was fun. The, those
0: guys want to show. And you know what? All I really cared about is that it got to a final like Schwarber versus Harper because it did have the potential to be Reese Hoskins versus Max Muncie, and that would have been lame. That would have been stupid. I tweeted that if that happened, the MLB deserves to die in a vat of acid because, guys, I mean. I get it. Hoskins and Muncie, they're good. They're having good seasons. But nobody outside of Philadelphia and L.A. gives a good crap about either of those guys. And to tell you the truth, I'm not sure the MLB should want guys like that in the Home Run Derby. Um, They should be trying to incentivize all of the superstars to be doing this thing. Otherwise, it's not worth doing at all. Well, you know... uh, it's
1: not that I have anything against those two guys. It's just when you have just that just established just superstar not. feel, it just you know, it's more epic.
0: Well that's what this that's what this should be. It should be just about superstars. You know, I get that those guys are they have good power numbers this year, but they're just not that well known outside of their respective cities. And I think you need You need more guys like Machado, Harper. You probably should, uh, you know, Aaron Judges, all those kind of guys should be the ones playing in this thing. Not Max Muncy. Nobody cares about Max Muncy. I don't even think the Dodgers care about Max Muncy.
1: You know, it's funny. Like, so many people had this irrational dislike for Max Muncy doing what he was doing, and part of me just kind of laughed at it. I'm like, (laughs) man,
0: people... (laughs) Like Max Muncy is not a baseball name. That's a cornhole name. I Adam. Whatever. Just picture it. ESPN's been playing the cornhole finals recently for yes, a while, and I guess they just are done with sports now. But I mean, couldn't you picture it? Max Muncy, a uh, fifty-eight-year-old guy in baggy jeans. With a scraggly beard and a hat that's way too big, named Max Muncie. You can see it, right?
1: I, I see what you're saying, and you know what? Max Muncie'll probably go on to be a cornhole player, and he'll probably like win the championship like in epic fashion. So, yeah, I can see it.
0: Nothing against cornhole. If you can corn that hole and make some money, then do it, man.
1: And by the way, it's bags, not cornhole.
0: It's called cornhole. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? But
1: only people in Wisconsin call it cornhole.
0: Yeah, but they s- label it cornhole on TV, though. Okay. Well, <laughs> well and who cares? Then, there, then the TV's a plebe. I don't know. TV, that's not appropriate for TV to say tossing bags, you know? <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, I mean.
1: It was a very entertaining home run derby. was really glad to be able to watch it, and uh, hopefully we'll see Kyle Schwarber and Javi in uh, more home run derbies to come. Uh, with all that being said, why don't we just get on to what we have coming up in the second half. Uh, the Cubs are Baseball. in first place. It's uh, going to be a good race, uh, two and a half ahead of Milwaukee. Uh, what are your expectations for the second half? Just If you could sum it up in a sentence or two.
0: I think that it will be a typical Cubs second half. Uh, Much like the first half, it'll have highs and lows, some cold streaks, and some really hot streaks. Uh, During the cold streaks, fans will freak out and panic. But the Cubs will finish in first place at the end of the year, and that will be that. So that's, that's what I anticipate. Yeah, I mean, right now
1: it's it's hard to doubt this team considering where they are right now, 55-38. And think about it. They were, they're pretty much on the same pace as they were right now as they were in 2016. It really doesn't feel like that, but it does. Here, Here's my two theories on why it doesn't feel quite like 2016, and I'll ask you if you agree or not. Sound good? Yeah, do it. Okay, so first of all, the 2018 Cubs did not get off to that unbelievable, unsustainable start that they got in 2016. That correct kind of made things feel a little different. Second of all, though the Cubs have a really good offense and they've been really good overall, they haven't dominated games like the 2016 team did because the 2016 team had that unreal, historically good uh, starting pitching staff. The starting pitching staff right now has probably been the most disappointing aspect of the team, so just not quite as dominating. I don't know. What do you think of those two thoughts? I
0: I agree with you 100%, and there's so many reasons to be optimistic for the second half because, I mean, so many people have talked about this already. Anthony Rizzo was cold for a lot of the first half. Chris Bryant was kind of cold for a lot of it and then hurt for a lot of it. The Cubs got practically nothing out of Hugh Darvish in the first half. Both Kyle Hendricks and Jose Quintana have been kind of meh, and Tyler Chatwood has been awful. But to this point, the Cubs are on pace to win 95 games. So, I mean, it can't... When you think about all those factors, some of them are bound to improve a little bit. Some maybe not so much, but... The truth of the matter is the Cubs are they're getting so much from guys that they haven't gotten in the past, like Javi Baez, who, in my opinion now, is is playing at an M V P level despite yes, his he is. despite his sort of low walk rate, which is really the only thing hindering him from being in that conversation. Uh and Wilson Contreras has been great. Everybody is hitting the ball so well and the bullpen has been decent enough that despite all those things, the Cubs are going to win 90 plus games and they're probably going to win the division. And if they get a little more out of Anthony Rizzo and Hugh Darvish comes back strong, then they're going to be really good. And I think probably the team to beat in the NL.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's good reason to believe that the Cubs are going to be one of the top favorites. I mean, right now, I think on paper, they have far and away the best team in the NL Central. Uh, A quick conversation about their competition now it's kind of important the way they start off the second half because they have eight games against the Cardinals they have a five game series and then another series in St. Louis if the Cubs beat up on the Cardinals not only does that help them put them further ahead in the division but you pretty much put St. Louis's division hopes to bed I mean you could pretty much
0: knock them out in that stretch. They could, yeah. But the the Cardinals are playing the Cubs a little tougher this year. And I'll tell you, I'm just a little bit worried about the Cardinals in the second half because, you know, I could be wrong, but I sort of got the feeling that a lot of those guys on that team were not huge fans of Mike Matheny. And I almost wonder Mm -hmm. that now that he's gone, if the team chemistry will just kind of be – you know where they wanted it to be and I don't know I just I have this feeling in my gut like everything is just going to mesh much better for the Cardinals from here on out
1: I'll be honest with you there's part of me that has that same fear because how many times have we seen managers get fired and then all of a sudden their team just takes off or just has a great stretch I mean look at the Reds Look at the Cubs in 2010. When they fired Pinella and Quaddy was the interim manager, they went over 500 the rest of the year, and that was an awful 2010 team. That's something you do see a lot. So that is a bit worrisome to me, though I do feel like at the end of the day, the Cubs are the better team no matter what. Um, oh, so absolutely. So I think, I think what I would ask for minimal is to just kind of elite. If you go 500 in that stretch against the Cardinals, That's fine. Just don't get your butts whooped. Don't lose four out of five at home. That would not be good. That would would let them right back in. I mean, you have a chance to bury these guys. But, you know, you could either bury them or at least keep them at bay. You don't want to completely let them back in. If you keep them at bay or you end it, that's what you want. Two of the three options right there.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. The Cubs are going to win the division no matter what. I, th- when I say I'm worried about the Cardinals, I just think that they're probably going to give the Cubs a bit of a rough time here and there. I, I don't oh, I could really that. believe. I don't really believe that they're a legitimate threat to win the division. I, that's just not going to happen. Uh, maybe the Brewers. I really don't think the Brewers are going to. I think they're going to kind of fizzle out a little bit. I don't think they have the pitching. But uh, the key for the Cubs in the second half, I think, is going to be for Kyle Hendricks and Jose Quintana to be a little more consistent.
1: Sure. I mean, especially Kyle Hendricks, I've really liked what I've seen from Jose Quintana as of recent, but he's got to keep that up because, you know, overall he's been fine, but he's had some just awful starts, and uh, starts that you never saw him have with the White Sox. So, Yeah, definitely want to see some consistency there. Kyle Hendricks right now is your number two guy. So, yeah, you need him to be more consistent. Man, if we can just channel what he got when he was pitching against the the Giants, because that was a thing of beauty. That was the best start of the year by any starter for a Cub. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, he was excellent that game. Um, Obviously, we can't expect him to do that every outing. But if he can look more like the Kyle Hendricks of the last two years, then that's really all the Cubs need. One thing we really haven't considered is if the Cubs are going to have a new starting pitcher for the second half. I am of the opinion that they won't go that direction, but it is still a possibility that they could trade for somebody.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because that brings us to this week's Twitter poll question. The question was simple. What kind of move should be the top priority at the deadline? And when I mean top priority, I mean their biggest need. They could do a few moves of a few different things, but their top priority, three positions, starting pitcher, relief pitcher, position player. 56% said starter, 41% said relief, and only 3%, like, you know, as I agree, said position player because I don't think they need a position player they're going to need some sort of arm, whether it's relief or starting. But a lot of that's going to depend on you, Darvish. I think that he is the big X factor when it comes to getting a starting pitcher or not.
0: So this is this is a tough one. This is a really tough one for me. I'll, I'll cross position player off the list straight away. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's in last place. It deserves – yeah, that shouldn't even really be part of the, the question – um, obviously it never hurts to go out and get a good reliever, and I think that's probably what the Cubs will end up trying to do. Uh, but looking at the stats, the stats would tell you that what the Cubs need most is a better starter in their rotation. But having said that, I'm not sure the Cubs have what it takes to get a front-line starter and I'm not sure they'd be willing to part with major league ready talent like Addison Russell or Ian Happ to get it. So it's kind of a weird situation that they're in because they, their farm system is not well equipped enough to get somebody like Jacob Degrom dealing no. with minor leaguers. If you're going to get somebody no. like Jacob Degrom, you're gonna you're just gonna have to part with somebody like Addison Russell or Kyle Schwarber, maybe
1: both or Ian Happ.
0: Yeah, and I. I just feel like the Cubs are not going to do that. So I think what they need most is better starting pitching, but I think they'll just bank on their guys improving rather than trying to acquire somebody. So in the end, I think they're probably just going to go get a reliever.
1: And the nice thing about the reliever market is that there's plenty out there uh, to look at. Heck, you could even claim a few guys off waivers and get something productive there. So you have some options there. And I think if the Cubs did make a starting pitching move, it would be nothing like last year when they got Jose Quintana and they parted with two top prospects. You're not going to see something like that. A starter that you'd potentially get is someone that can just get you by. So nobody flashy, nobody fancy, no Cy Young all-star type guy, just a veteran guy that can get you by. That's the most I can see them doing in terms of getting a pitcher. But there's plenty of places you could find a reliever. I wrote an article recently on Cubby's Crib about going to San Diego and looking at what they got because they got a lot of
0: good relievers there. I don't know if you've noticed, but they do. They're going to deal Brad Hand finally? He seems to be in the discussion a lot. Yeah, I mean, you got
1: Brad Hand, you got Kirby Yates. Uh, Those two guys could bring you back at decent
0: Hall. So, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what they'll end up doing. I don't think they're going to make a big splash this year the way they, they kind of have the last. You know, they just don't have elite prospects anymore. And I'm not saying – that's not a bad thing. That was always part of the plan. In fact, that the fact that they don't really have any right now just is you know, further evidence of how successful they've been. But uh, – yeah, I don't think they have what it takes to to go and get an elite starter. And I'm not sure they really need one because I do think, you know, the way Kyle Hendricks and Jose Quintana have pitched lately, I am optimistic about how they're going to do in the coming months. Um, and the bullpen yeah, I mean, the bullpen's the guys okay.
1: track okay. If they do what they
0: do, then you're set. I mean, in, like you said, if they go after a veteran starter – or, you know, anybody, like a four or five type of guy, just about anybody they get is going to do better than what Tyler Chatwood has been giving us, so.
1: Yeah, that, that's going to be another interesting thing is to see how that develops. Um, his last start against the Padres, if he didn't give up a, a, a single and a home run to guys that shouldn't be hitting at all, you know, he would have had a decent start. And he got pulled pretty early with not a lot of pitches because I think Joe Mann said, we don't want to risk in a close game this getting out of hand. Uh, but, you know, overall, I was saying this to my brother the other day. If you look at Tyler Chatwood, you see all the walks. If you just cut those in half, then he would be a lot more efficient just just
0: cut by cutting the walks in half. That's a lot to ask of him, though. And do you think he – do you – I'm no, not going to say you it, think he could do it. I'm going to ask, do you think he will do it? And I, I'm not confident enough in him. Um, I mean, well, I'm not saying I think he'll do it. I'm just saying if if
1: the I'm saying what he's done already. If he had half the walks that he has now, his numbers would be a lot better. That's what I was saying.
0: That's true, but that's that's true of every single pitcher in the league too.
1: Well, yes, but think about how many walks he has because. If you cut his walks in half, I'm sure that's like kind of average at least because he's got so many walks that half of those would be what a lot of guys are doing. I, I don't know the exact uh, numbers, but I would imagine that it, it would be around there.
0: Probably. I just don't know that the Cubs are going to keep gambling on him. I, and I'm not sure. You know, I still think that the Cubs are going to beat the Brewers in this division in the end, but it's still a close race. And we're kind of getting to the point where I'm not sure the Cubs feel like they can keep playing Russian roulette with Tyler Chatwood because when he goes out there, you have absolutely no idea what you're going to get uh, for a final line. You know you're going to get a lot of walks, but he could give up two runs or he could give up seven runs. You just never know. And I, I got to think that they're going to quit playing that game with him. What's so frustrating is that every time you think
1: he finds a groove. He just loses it. Like, he'll retire a few guys in a row. He'll retire the heart of the order, throw some nasty stuff, and you're like, all right, let's go. And then you get to the bottom of the order, walk, 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 and it's like, what the heck? It, it just, it's just well, yeah. very strange.
0: I mean, that's the thing is the, the movement on his pitches is nasty. He's got some really nasty stuff, but he has no command of it whatsoever. Right. He cannot place any of those uh, sliders or curveballs at all. And players know to just lay off those and take their walks. And they, they, the Cubs can't keep trotting him out there to do that. You know, it's it's funny. When, when he locates
1: his curveball, it is one of the most beautiful things there. And that's what is. makes this so frustrating.
0: Yeah, because the potential is there. Uh, he could easily be better than a number five starter, but he's been he's been way worse than that. He's been he's been so bad. I I'm not sure why he's still in the rotation. To be quite honest with you,
1: uh, probably. I mean, I think I truly believe that he would not be in the rotation if you, Darvish was healthy.
0: That's you're probably right. You're probably right. So what you're telling me then is his time is maybe uh, coming to an end in the starting rotation here, possibly.
1: Unless he can pitch respectably in the next few starts, because they're pretty stubborn to get Tyler Chatwood out of there. And, again, part of that is because of you, Darvish. So I think that has a lot of effect on it. But if he pitches decently in the next few outings, uh, then that might save his job. So we'll see what happens there.
0: That's going to be a lot of pressure, too, knowing that you're pitching for your job in the next few games. But you're right. He is not going is. to be doing that.
1: Yeah. And, it, again, if you Darvish comes back and he's still not doing well, then they may say, all right, uh, you're out of the rotation, and we're going to put you Darvish back in your place.
0: Is Darvish expected to come back the beginning of the second half? Or do we Honestly, really even – Do we even know the timetable for his return? I
1: I really don't know. I know he's throwing, but... I feel
0: like it's kind of kept us in the dark as to where he's at progress-wise.
1: Yeah, I mean, ever since he was hurt again, because the stars were all aligned when he made his rehab start. It's like, all right, he's going to make his rehab start, and then he'll be back on the road trip. He looked good in his rehab start, struck out a lot of guys, only gave up a home run, command looks great. Velocity looks great. So, like, all right, we're going to be, he's going to be back. And then he was feeling discomfort, and then he was feeling pain, and <sighs> then everything went
0: dark. Did you – last time we talked, did you tell me that you thought he was just done for the year? You predicted that he, was, he would not pitch again in 2018? Yeah,
1: I, I did. And yeah. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I just – the longer this drags on, the longer you hear about pain, the longer you're left in the dark, it makes you think that way
0: yeah and you know what if the the contract he's on i at this point i would almost prefer that they just play it safe and and keep him out the rest of the year and hope that he comes back and looks like all-star you darvish next year but it's what a disappointment this has been
1: it has And, you know, I can't blame it all on him. When you get hurt, sometimes things just happen. Um, But, yeah, it is very disappointing. But the nice thing is, is that if it's not too terrible and he doesn't pitch again, but the injury itself is not damaging, then he could always come back the next year and do really well. I mean, we've seen that before. So, you know, it's really disappointing right now, but – I don't like to judge giant contracts like these until, like, maybe a year or so in because if you look at Zach Greinke, that looked like a complete flop in year one, but then he pitched really good in year two, and you're like, well, maybe it was worth it. So, you know, that's oh, yeah. kind of how I see it.
0: I mean, even John Lester in his first year, I mean, he, overall, I would say he had a good first season with the Cubs. But it wasn't the the dominant stuff that people expected, and even Cubs fans freaked out that this that the John Lester contract was a, a massive overpay after one year. But that's you know, looking at it now, right now, I would say they got a bargain.
1: Oh, he's probably um, the best free agent signing in Cubs history. And to talk about that 2015 season, mm-hmm. he got off to that rough start. You know what's weird though? His fifth ah. that year, his fielding independent pitching, you may not know this, but it was 292. Nice. In
0: 2015. You can't ask for much better than that. That's
1: That's pretty damn good. Right. I think the, the thing about that year was is that he had kind of a rough start, and in the postseason that year, He really didn't look all that spectacular. I mean, his NLDS, he had a 3.68 ERA in his one start, uh, so that wasn't terrible. The NLCS uh, did not do so well, uh, so that maybe kind of made things a little different. But ever since that, he's been the postseason John Lester. In 2016 and last year, he looked like the guy we signed for the postseason. So, you know, I don't know. I mean... Looking back at twenty fifteen Leicester, a lot of a lot of a lot of us kinda of look at that negatively, but man, a two hundred ninety two FIP and a three thirty four ERA in two hundred and five innings, over two hundred strikeouts.
0: That's good. Oh yeah. I mean he had some rough starts that kind of uh I think uh changed uh I think he got a bad rap for, for some of his clunkers, but overall, yeah, yeah. he was just fine.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so we have about three minutes left in the show. Let's quickly kind of go over some predictions here. Uh, what do you think is going to be their win total when this is all said and done? If everything goes right, people get healthy again, they're playing at their full potential, what do you see their win total being at? Uh, I'm going to go with 92.
0: That's 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 realistic, Adam, Uh Optimistic Adam says 97, that they'll finish slightly above what they're on pace to do. I think they're going to have some some cold streaks in the second half. Every team does. I think they're going to slide a little at one point, uh, but they'll pick it back up like they always do. And so, yeah, I'm going to say they're going to finish with 92 wins. Brewers are going to finish with 89-90.
1: Yeah, so optimistic me says 98 wins. Um, Realistic me is kind of in the 94 range. Um, Unless a lot of things go poorly, I think they'll be at least mid-90s in wins. I think they're good enough. A lot of people are saying they think they're going to get to 100. I I don't think they're going to get to 100 just because it's really hard to do, and especially when you're competing in a very tight race. It's very hard to win 100 games. So, yeah, yeah I, th- and, I think, I mean, mid and, upper 90s and, is where I put them.
0: And when you look historically, when you look at teams that finished the regular season with 100 wins or more uh it was it 's almost always because they got off to a really hot start at the beginning of the year it's it's not that common that that a team wins over a hundred games because they because they got on a tear in the second half it's it's almost always because they had a ridiculously hot start perfect example the twenty sixteen cubs right
1: exactly exactly so yeah I mean I think we're in for a pretty exciting second half, and you know. You saw last year, a lot of us look at last year negatively because they weren't nearly as good as 2016. But, man, that second half was fun. And they they played some of their most exciting baseball during that second half.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, when the bar is the World Series, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. You, you can't do better exactly. than winning the World Series. So, obviously, anything less than that is going to be – a bit of a disappointment, but, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, the Cubs had a terrific 2017, all things considered. Absolutely. Like I've said,
1: if that 2017 season happened before 2016, there would be commemorative books and DVDs about it, you know?
0: Yeah. Remember when they went to
1: the NLCS that year? Yeah,
0: ahead of schedule,
1: yeah. Yep, right on. All right, everyone, that's going to do it here at the Cubby's Crib Podcast Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. He's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll see you next week. Why the swimsuit, Dave? You invited me over for a dip. I meant hell of a good dip.
0: Ooh, dip. Mmm, yeah. French onion. Grab a chip and dive in. Cannonball. Did I say dive? I meant dip. Not just good, hell of a good.